Just a little note here before we begin to let you know that the BA at the beginning of the episode titles stands for before amputation and PA stands for post amputation. So now you have some context for why they are prefixed with those letters. Hello and welcome to the Hopscot podcast. The following is a recording of a post over on my blog called BA1 The Heart of the Matter. In the first episode, I focused on the time around when I woke up from an open heart procedure to be informed that my right leg had been amputated. While there is plenty more to delve into around that, I'm aware I left off with a joke. With this post, I'm going to take you back further, to a forgotten time where I had to cut ten toenails. It's only four now, but that's an entire other story. As a child, I wasn't fully aware of the extent of my health issues. I knew that I had to go to hospital occasionally for checks, but as far as I was concerned, that wasn't too out of the ordinary. Even less occasionally, I needed to have some kind of small, well, smaller than open heart surgery procedure. When I did, my parents would always be there, and my loyal companion Buster, my teddy bear, would be by my side as the mask descended and I drifted off to sleep. Sometimes he even got some extra attention from the nurses. I remember one particular time, the joint between his head and shoulders was almost non-existent, to the point where he probably could have auditioned for Nearly Headless Nick in the Harry Potter movies. I went down for my surgery with him tucked up beside me, and when I came round, he had undergone a little procedure of his own. Safe to say, I doubt many teddy bears have had their heads stitched back on by your actual full-blown medical professionals. These rare occasions aside, I really didn't have anything less than a normal childhood. In fact, given that I grew up in the Highlands of Scotland and my dad worked as an outdoor pursuits instructor, I probably had plenty of opportunities that many kids didn't. I can't have been more than five or six the first time my dad told me to step backwards off a cliff. Maybe it sounds terrifying, but I hadn't gotten to the point in school yet where we would learn about gravity. I thoroughly enjoyed dangling high above the ground on the end of a rope. Just a few years later, I was rafting the white waters of the Gary, bouncing off the rocks and being doused by the swirling, freezing-cold froth of the angry river, with not even a second thought as to what was going on inside my chest. It was amazing, and with all the other incredible activities available to me, I could not have asked for a more exciting childhood. It's no small bonus either that, in later years, I've been told my love of the outdoors and the exercise that comes along as a result have done wonders for my health. There is only one time from my early years that made me start to think about my condition in a more than passing way, and I remember it clearly to this day. I had been taken to the doctors because I'd been suffering from a bad cold. He used a stethoscope to listen to my chest and, in what was just a throwaway line to him, said, Wow, sounds like you've got an old steam train in there. It was when I was 15 that I realised my condition wasn't going to be just a minor annoyance in the background of my life. My health had gradually been declining and after a visit to the hospital, they realised that one of my arteries had narrowed. It was decided that they were going to perform an operation to balloon and stent it, essentially open it up again. A few months later, I was flat on my back in a surprisingly comfortable hospital bed and as they put me under, my parents walked down the corridor with me while I hugged Buster tightly. After what seemed like no time at all to me, 
but what must have felt like an eternity to my parents. I came round from my operation. The first thing I noticed was my right leg. No, it wasn't missing. Not yet. I just couldn't feel it. As it turns out, the problem was no bigger than a cautious overdose of anaesthetic, given to ensure that I didn't wake up while the doctors were still prodding at me. After all, it was a children's hospital, and being 15, I was larger than the average patient they dealt with. For the entire day afterwards, I couldn't feel a thing in that leg. I couldn't move it at all, and when I tried to put weight on it, I went down faster than a leg amputee trying ice skates for the first time. I'm allowed to say that. I can make light of it now, but at the time it was a real worry. Despite the doctors all assuring me that my ability to move it would return, I was still terrified that I might have to live the rest of my life without the use of my right leg. Later that evening, while I was watching TV with one of my nurses, my toe started to wiggle. Both the nurse and me were cheering in a politely quiet way so as not to wake up the rest of the ward. Eventually, after a few hours, the full use of my leg would return. Well, for a year and a half at least. However, despite all this drama, the procedure, unfortunately, had not been successful. And just like that, I was headed for my first open heart surgery since I was 16 weeks old. I couldn't exactly draw on memories from that one, so this was a whole new experience. The trick, I thought, was to not think too much about it and just get on with everything else. There were exams in school coming up, so I had that to focus on. Then there were all my other activities, rafting, abseiling, etc. Summer plans with my friends. I was doing fine. Totally fine. Except I wasn't. The worry was eating away at me, and the worst part was, I couldn't even recognise it. I had never had to deal with anything even close to this big in my life. They were going to cut open my chest, take off a piece from the top of my heart, and stick another piece in. My scar, which I call my zipper, was just a pale white line, barely visible after all my years of growing. As a narcissistic teenager, even that was on my mind. How would others react to my fresh, new scar? I thought I was wearing my mask very well, but the fear was insidious. I was eating poorly and losing sleep, all the while telling myself that, oh, it's just because of my exams. Eventually I had to face the real demon, eat properly, and make an effort to maintain my health. The last thing I needed was to undergo a major procedure in an unfit state. Then the day came. I was in the ward, all prepped in my stylish hospital gown, trying not to accidentally flash all of the poor nurses walking behind me. I was still just inside the age for paediatrics, so my operation was being carried out at York Hill Children's Hospital in Glasgow. As the line was being put into my arm, the nurse joked, saying that I had the option of a plain or pepper pig dressing to stabilise the cannula. Obviously, I jumped at the opportunity to have such a celebrity holding my line in place. So... With Buster, my lifelong watcher beside me, a pink swine on my arm and my family looking on, I was wheeled off to have my zipper opened for the first time since I was a baby. A little bit of hopscot wisdom. Don't worry yourself sick. In our lives we come up against so many seemingly insurmountable obstacles with the potential to cause us a great deal of stress. Worrying about these things to the point that you become unwell is only going to make you less capable of dealing with them. This doesn't just apply to physical things like a medical procedure, for instance. It could be something at work, in a relationship, or even just an overly complicated form to fill in. 
If you are stressed to the point of being unwell, you're going to have a much harder time getting through it. Thank you for listening. Stay safe out there, folks, and remember, be excellent to each other.